The Down Below podcast was our last best hope to analyse. A self-contained podcast, who knows how long, located between your ears. A place of discussion and fun for newcomers and veterans alike. A shining download online, all alone on the web. It was the dawn of the third age of podcasting, the year the introcast wars came upon us all. This is the story of a Babylon 5 introcast. The year is 2014. The show, Down Below. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Down Below, a Babylon 5 intro cast. I'm Will. I'm in. I'm Heidi. Hopefully Elizabeth will be joining us in a few minutes. We're having computer update problems. <laughs> but we are pleased to be once again joined by a return visitor to Down Below. Say hello to Elias. Welcome. Thanks. Hi, everybody. How are you? Hey. Good to have you back, Will. This was an episode that actually when we had signups, nobody wanted, but thankfully Elias volunteered for it. And once I watched it, I kind of understood why nobody wanted it, but <laughs> that's just my opinion. <laughs> well, it's one of those episodes that like half of the episode storyline is actually really good, and then the other half of the storyline is like, nah. It doesn't help that... It's following a really great episode. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen that happen before where they'll have a really great episode followed by a kind of lackluster episode. Yeah. I know there was a uh, discussion on Twitter yesterday. I know one listener thought this was one of the best episodes of the series, but uh, just not seeing it. Again, I think parts of it are excellent. Like the... The Centauri storyline, I think, is a really good storyline in this episode, but the uh, the other one is, uh, yeah, somewhat lackluster. Today we are here to discuss episode 17 of season 2, Knives, but first, here's an ISN special report. This is an ISN special report. Atari Ambassador Babylon 5 Lando Malari has been shrouded in controversy after being involved in the death of Centauri war leader Ursa Lado. Witnesses say that Lado challenged Malari to a ritual duel to the death and was slain in this duel. Since no non-Minbari were injured in the duel... Editorial correction. Centauri, not Membari. ISN would like to apologize to the Centauri Republic for this mistake. Now back to the report. No charges will be filed against Malari. This has been an ISN special... Pardon the interruption. I have some news which I believe you will find most interesting. Would you like to hear the latest in Marvel television film and comic book news? Are you looking for some suggestions on what to pick up on new comic book day? Well, join Mike and Ken every Saturday night at 8 p.m. on Mighty Marvel Geeks here on Sorcerer Radio. Your source for all things Marvel. There is a matter that requires your attention. Mighty Marvel Geeks. Assemble. All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? And Knives originally aired May 17, 1995. 
Originally, this was supposed to air before the last episode because you know they mentioned his wife in this episode and in the next ep in in the last week's episode you get more about her. But they needed more time in this episode to finish the CGI work on that creature we see, so they moved it till after Shadow Zahadu. Hmm. Ah, interesting. But it kind of works either way. Yeah, it doesn't really change much, other than. Uh, other than by now, I think Sheridan would be um, put in the insane asylum because <laughs> now he's been crazy two weeks in a row, which, well, yeah. Yeah, that and Franklin seems to have amnesia around this week he knew about um, Sheridan's wife and this week he doesn't. Right. Yeah. Uh, this episode was directed by Stephen L. Posey. He directed episodes of Xena, Hercules, and DS9. He also did a Buffy episode, I, Robot, You, Jane. <laughs> That's a funny title. Well, it, and it's not a great episode Bad. either. No. <laughs> Bad. Bad. I think he'll be back on this show a few more times. Um, it was written by Larry Dottilio, the story editor. He last wrote Gropos. And this is the last episode of Babylon 5 he's credited with writing, which... Not too upset with that. <laughs> he gave us TKO and Deathwalker. Deathwalker was okay. TKO wasn't. <laughs> now, Will, you didn't say it right. Deathwalker? There you go. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's get started with the recap. So, beginning of the episode, we see Sheridan taking batting practice because he's had a rough day. But Garibaldi spent his day in the B5 Triangle and Gray Sector. Apparently a lot of weird stuff goes on down there. And when Sheridan hears this, he perks up. He immediately wants to go take a look himself. But Garibaldi warns him not to go alone. But, of course, that's all. That's half the fun for Sheridan. Okay, I... Sorry. I was, I was just going to say, did you notice that Sheridan had his one, uh, his one holdover from the Babylon 5 Emporium with him? He had the uh, the Babylon 5 baseball cap. I was going to ask you guys, I know baseball is a big American sport, but why does every space captain have some sort of obsession with baseball? You know, that's a good question. Yeah, it's just to show that, I guess, in the ancient sport, you know, still around, they have some kind of fascination with old Earth, I guess. Well, they still have an active baseball league. Remember when they were they were right. betting with that pilot about the Mars team and how much they were they they'd suck if they went into Earth gravity and yada yada. That was basketball, sure. I thought. Yeah, that nope. was baseball. It was baseball. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah and we've so had we've had baseball articles in the newspapers well, that we've seen from time to time. Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Hey. Elizabeth. Hey. Oh, okay. We're talking Something. about baseball. She's stuck oh. in like a shadow. Look at that. Yeah, we're all having Skype problems. Yeah, wow. I just closed my computer. I was like, I'm not waiting for these nine updates. Forget it. <laughs> Why is it always nine? Oh, no. uh, nine's a magic number. Sci-fi, <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah, the dark <sighs> power. Yeah, I was just saying, why is every space captain obsessed with baseball? But yeah, Captain Cisco <laughs> had an obsession with it, and even though baseball had long gone away, I think, on that show. Well, when it popped up on the 
On the menu screen, I guess, I thought that they were playing golf. One thing I do have to say about that is that having an entire baseball field does seem kind of like a, a waste of space and on Battle yes. Island. Yeah. I mean, yep. all, all that oh, space could like, easily go back to like some kind of like food or vegetable reclamation. You know what I mean? Some, something or useful. housing. Yeah, because they're having a housing shortage at one point. Right, or a coffee plant or two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. But, I mean, e- even even a mini golf course would take up less room than this. Right? <laughs> I really want to see, like, uh, different species playing baseball against each other. Like, that would be amazing. Yeah, it would be funny to, it'd be funny to see the Pacmoral League shuffling around. <laughs> Eating Bari. each other. Yeah, how would the Minbari <laughs> play baseball? Yeah, the Vorlons. Come on. (laughs) They have to hit home runs every time. Right, seriously. Why did Sheridan... Sheridan should have slipped there when he got kicked out of his quarters. No kidding. (laughs) You could actually go camping on B5 quite easily. (laughs) Next, Londo and Beer are debating music, and they, they talk about opera. They sing together, and we hear some... Music in the background while they're singing, and then Londo gets grabbed from behind by a hooded figure, and we see the opening credits. But uh, man, those two actors can sing. They, they like can really genuinely sing. Yeah, they sing well I think together. That's actually, what makes it a nice little moment is, you know, you, these two characters clearly love. Um, that sorry, these two characters rather than the actors really love what they're talking about. Right. Yeah. You know, I think they really stress they stress the Roman sort of uh, Latin Italian kind of associations with the with the Centauri with this one because all the names really sound Italian and you know opera and all that. It was just really funny. Yeah. After the opening credits, the hooded, the hooded figure calls. Lando Pasoliati and Lando recognizes him as his friend Ursa and this was all just a joke yeah not a great conclusion to a cliffhanger really no <laughs> Bocator Urza Giotto is played by Carmen Argentiano he played a recurring character on Stargate SG-1 um, he was one of the fellowship candidates on House the old guy who pretended he was a doctor and um, he's been in AARP commercial since August of 2014. Oh, great. <laughs> I think he's awesome in, as Urza, Urza in the show. In this I episode. liked him in this episode except for one scene, and I'll talk about that later. I just want to say I love hearing other actors' takes on the Centauri accent that Peter Jurisic pretty much invented. Yeah. yeah. So I, I love it when other people do do like the north the northern like royal Centauri uh, <laughs> accent and like people like Rifa and this guy and stuff like when they when they do it it's just fun to listen to them do it. Well, Veer doesn't really do it very much. Like I don't know. Yeah. I don't. Okay. There's a couple of words here and there which he kind of takes the accent on for, but for the most part he's clearly from somewhere else on um, Centauri Prime. Yeah. Lando introduces Ursa to Veer. Ursa is a hero. Lando wants to go back and have some um, 
his bravari, but Ursa has something to attend to first, and then he'll join Lundo later. Bravari. So we see Sheridan walking through Gray Sector with his flashlight, and he comes across a dead Markab. He tries to call Garibaldi, but his signal breaks up, and then the Markab suddenly touches Sheridan. He gets through to Garibaldi and tells Garibaldi to come down there. He caresses his face lovingly. <laughs> it kind of makes me jump a little bit. Yeah, um, it was kind of this point that I remembered and kind of realized, ah, this is B5 does the X-Files. <laughs> Doesn't you know, sure you... know he's in a TV show? Don't yeah. go to the story by yourself. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's he's got this mystery to solve, and you know, and then gets possessed. It feels very X Filesy to me at the moment. Yeah, it feels very standard possession kind of episode, and uh, the whole deal what you see in a lot of shows where one person. Something's going wrong with one person, but nobody believes them. And, oh, you're just tired. It's always that they're just tired and they right. get rest. Exactly. Well, they don't want to just stick them in the loony bin to begin with. They don't want to. Well, I guess there was no way they could have figured it out using their instruments or their knowledge of medicine. But it's like, hmm, maybe you should take this Think outside seriously. The yeah. <laughs> Franklin is meant to be an expert in xenobiology. Yeah. So... It's surprising he doesn't pick up anything. He's like, he does, he, does, he does pick up slightly elevated levels of like endorphins and stuff in Sheridan, but that's that that's you know um, typical of just any any old shock or weird sort of sudden trauma. Over in Med Bay, Franklin tells Sheridan that he's okay, but he yeah, like you were saying, he has signs of shock. And Franklin thinks the attack was a post-mortem reaction. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen a dead body with chucking crap's money. Yeah. <laughs> I know, with such, lo- with such a loving caress, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah in this I was just hearing, skelly, skelly, skelly. Exactly. You know, he's fulfilling that skeptic skelly role in this. True enough, although I have to say that when he lays it all out, Doc Franklin does have kind of a point when he's like, you know, you've gone through all this crazy stuff and, you know, the past year, year and a half, like, you're 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 due for a little vacation, buddy. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> a loving caress from a corpse, that's kind of... Last draw. It turns out the Markab died from massive head trauma. Garibaldi already knows who the guy is. I can't remember what his name was, but that was kind of a funny scene where they try to pronounce his name. And of course, Doctor Franklin can properly pronounce of the Marquette name mm-hmm. because that's—I mean—but that's Doc Franklin, though. For you, he traveled around the other alien races for a while, learning stuff, meeting people. You know, he's pretty culturally fluent, so he—he's more than just medically fluent. He. Knows how to pronounce Markham's names and <laughs> G. Garibaldi. It's actually Shayoshne. I mean, come <laughs> on. <laughs> He's so proud of himself. Uh, right, right. Stupid thug. <laughs> so the Markab recently came to the station. It's supposed to be staying in the Markab sector. Sheridan looks at Garibaldi and you see his vision's a little distorted. Garibaldi's going to handle the investigation while Sheridan gets some rest. 
we do learn something interesting about Markab culture that part of the religion is they take psychotropics and flip out. Yeah. So Veer and Londo are talking about Ursa. Apparently Londo and Ursa's houses have been aligned since the earliest days of Republic. And then Londo explains how he got his nickname and he's been friends with Ursa for a while. But I think it was uh, interesting to note her beer, how he thinks it's kind of counterproductive to keep, you know, hoping they're going to reclaim their past glory. And Urza comes in after this and they drink Bravari. What did you guys think? I thought this was kind of fairly heavy-handed foreshadowing, this whole scene. Mm. Foreshadowing of... Basically the rest of this plot of, you know... This is an old friend of mine aligned since the early days of the Republic. Oh, we used to be dueling buddies. Oh, well, my problem was I almost fell asleep both times I watched this episode. <laughs> so I didn't get all the little nuances, apparently. You're not alone, Elizabeth. I fell asleep the first time I watched the episode. I'm not surprised. I'm really not surprised. <laughs> oh, this was a struggle. But I have to say, well, I guess we haven't gone there, so I'll wait. Yeah. In Sheridan's quarters, he wakes up and sees a large, flying, pterodactyl-looking creature. That was pretty cool. Yeah. I was like, oh, dragons. No. We didn't have dragons in this episode. <laughs> that would have made it better. It's Frank yeah. Black. Um, oh, and if you notice, like Sinclair, Sheridan also sleeps in his clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, didn't, didn't we have, what, like, half an episode with Sheridan in his robe once? We did. Yeah. yeah. Elizabeth, I don't think you heard this part, but this um, this episode was supposed to air before the last one, and this flying creature was the reason that they needed more time to finish this episode. What? The one second of flying creature? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And oh. also, it was... Was it written or directed by the guy who did uh, I, Robot, Eugene? Directed. <gasps> directed. Seriously. Oh, my. <laughs> Um, you have I to you have it. to remember, though, that um, when this show aired, um, Babylon Five is unique because they invented uh, post production, completely digital post production, which every single TV show and film does today. But they invented that process for Babylon Five, so all the CGI that they are doing is being is being crunched on like video toasters that could barely run. An operating system today, you know. Well, so it's more for it, my my statement is more for the fact that it was barely in the episode and it wasn't like super necessary, right? I mean, like, frankly, they could have had a puppet on a string with some guy up in the, outside of the camera range pulling it because to put this episode after the last episode is just like a total letdown, you know. It just takes the momentum and and just stops. Yeah, it grinds it to a halt completely. Yep, I agree. In fact, if they had a puppet, that would have been even cooler, because then it would have been like a real vision, like a weird <laughs> yeah. vision. Well, at least seven to get rid of a really ugly statue. True enough. So Londo and Urza are still drinking and catching up. Londo mentions Adira, which is a nice callback. Urza talks about how Londo's star is rising. Londo thinks the Centauri are getting back on the right track. Urza says that the Narn were forced into the war by the same people in the government who killed the last emperor and put Cartagia on the throne. Cartagia? Yep. He doesn't believe the official story that's given. 
And he says that a resolution's been brought up to name Urza and his family traitors. Urza wants Londo to stand with him to help save his family. Londo agrees to do what he can, and he thanks Urza thanks Londo for the bravari and his friendship. And so this this scene, I'm noticing that painting of Londo in the background. Wow. <laughs> frightening looking painting there's uh, yeah there's uh there's also a bit of news that seems to take londo by surprise when he says that malachi prime minister malachi was murdered and he's like oh i thought he took his own life when the emperor died and he's like no no he was murdered the same as same as many people who were in the way at that time and so that comes as news to londo and a bit of a shock to him we see him respond yeah. to that later in the episode. I don't know, but it was awfully convenient then, because he was had been in the episode previous, not you know, I don't know, a few episodes ago when he was talking to Rifa, and he's like, "Oh, we'll take care of it," and then all of a sudden the prime minister is dead. You know, like he didn't he didn't put two and two together there at all. Yeah. Like it, it comes as this huge shock. I'm, I'm glad somebody's saying something about it, um, even though. It, Clearly, their society is becoming this fascist type of society, but um, I don't know. I kind of was thinking that Londo wasn't going to help him at all. So Londo kind of pleasantly surprised me in this episode. As he does Veer, which you could see in Veer's reaction. Yeah. When they talk, when, yeah. he, when he and Rifa talk later. I think it's a little bit of a reality check. Not the biggest one he actually needs, but... He's at least being shown the consequences of his actions. Totally. In CNC, Ivanova doesn't like it when things are going too well, I guess. I can blame her going by what's happened already this season, not to mention everything else in last season. A ship, the Arcadi, comes through the gate. Sheridan starts um, seeing weird stuff, but he shakes it off, and he looks out the viewport and sees the Icarus explode, which probably, just, I mean, probably would have made more sense if it had been before last week. But <laughs> it works. <laughs> now it's just like oh, post-traumatic yeah. stress or something. <laughs> yeah. He orders a scan, and when he's asked if he's all right, he says he has to see to something. Hey, we got clearance in this scene. <laughs> Hey, 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 take a drink. We, we, didn't we find out what his real name is? Yeah. It's Clarence. Clarence. It's Clarence. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> It'll always be Clarence. We deny any other name existing. Yes. Okay. Oh, come on. It's his middle name. We go by his middle name. Right. He, he does have other names. All right. That's fair. <laughs> In Med Bay, Sheridan's explaining to Franklin what's been going on. At least he didn't keep it secret, like... Would have happened in other shows, I think. Yeah, because that's just annoying. Yeah. Franklin's test didn't find anything wrong. Franklin thinks Sheridan... Well, at least yeah, Franklin did propose the possibility that Sheridan contracted a new virus. and But he does say that he could just be under too much stress. So Franklin puts him on medical leave for a few days and puts a monitor on him. Franklin's just like his father. Yeah, I like that. I like that little scene. Yeah, Boy, if, uh, if Earth Force really wants to get rid of Sheridan, they just need to, like, review his behavior over the past few <laughs> episodes and kick him out. Remember in 2259 when you kind of went crazy for a few weeks? <laughs> yeah. Londo calls up Lord Rifa. 
Rifa says that Ursa is a traitor and this resolution has already been accomplished. Uh, Rifa says that anyone defending Ursa will go down with him and there's little he can do, but he'll try. After the call's over, Veer says he's proud to be Londo's attache at times like this. Aww. Aww. Londo says he needs to pay more attention to what's happening on Homeworld so he gets in touch with his contacts. Um, um, you know, watching it this time through, I get the impression that Reefa set all this up in the hopes that Londo will actually go a bit too far in support of his friends and he'll be able to get rid of Londo. Hmm. Well, that's, that's a that's an interesting impression. I I didn't specifically get that, but I wouldn't put it past Rifa. Because Londo is just kind of ignoring everything. He's not, you know, he's not really involved at the moment. I think yeah, Rifa, I, I think Rifa. No, it's okay. I was just gonna say I think Rifa is um, still too still too dependent on. Uh, Londo and his allies. They're still at war with the Narn and stuff like that, and I don't think he's quite ready to get rid of get it rid of Londo yet. Yeah, because I still wouldn't pass, put it past Reaper to do that. <laughs> no, I certainly wouldn't. He is a skeezy bastard. <laughs> Next, Sherrod is taking batting practice again. I don't think he's doing as well as he was the first time. <laughs> it's nice to relax. <laughs> yes. Baseball looks like so much fun. <laughs> it's relaxing if you watching it. I don't know. I, well, I guess I used to fall asleep watching baseball. When I was, I was going to say, that's, yeah, that's why it's relaxing. I turn it on late at night before I went to bed, trying to stay up to watch wrestling, but I always fall asleep at the end of the game. Yeah, it doesn't help that Sheridan's got a computer voice telling him how badly he's doing. <laughs> Garibaldi shows up to check on him. Sheridan says he's been better, but he has been down there for three hours <laughs> hitting the ball. Uh, they haven't found out much about the Marcat, but he did come through Sector 14, which is where Babylon 4 was. And I, uh, I hear Babylon 4 mentioned, and did you get excited when you heard that? And yes. That it turned out not to be much of anything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was really angry. I was falling asleep at this point. <laughs> I think it was interesting that um, that something so significant as Babylon 4 was kept from the new commander, like that Sheridan didn't know anything about that, and thanks to Garibaldi being sneaky, he uh, was able to get get records of it and and see what was going on. Yeah, I was surprised that Sheridan didn't know about it. Yeah. So, I wonder if there's a reason that they're bringing this up now. Hmm. Probably so we remember that it happened. Yeah. Possibly. Sheridan didn't know about this incident, so Garibaldi gives him a data crystal with all the records. The records were kept off, uh, kept out of the station's files because Earth Force wanted to perform their own investigation. My notes say incestigation. (laughs) 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 Typo. Um... So Lando and Veer go to some banquet where they meet up with Ursa and they toast. Lando tells them that no charges will be made and that he talked to Rifa. And Ursa says that Rifa was the one who had that resolution brought up before the Centaurum. And he can't believe that Lando's in league with Rifa. This was the scene where I didn't really like Ursa, just the way that, I don't know, I guess the way the actor portrayed him in this scene, just kind of 
He uses some pretty harsh language. He calls Rifa a villain and an assassin. Yolando yeah, says that he has a destiny to fulfill. Ursa doesn't want to return to glory, but before Londo goes, Ursa gives him a blade and challenges him to a fight to death to save his honor and his family, and Londo accepts the challenge, and the fight will take place in two hours. And you notice Ooh. apparently when they're partying, Centauri eat Christmas ornaments. <laughs> if you looked at their if you looked at their food, it looked like a combination of like sushi and a Christmas ornament going on on their <laughs> on their plate. I'm like, Do they eat that? That doesn't even look edible. <laughs> uh, so I guess here's the knives title. Yeah, that's no knife. Um, Sheridan's looking over the records of Babylon Four. Suddenly he gets a headache and his eyes look weird. He says, what do you want? And he sees his parents for a few seconds. Then he says, yes, and leaves. After leaves, he gets a call from Dr. Franklin, who's trying to reach him. Yeah, that eye effect... Sorry about that. Yeah, that eye effect, it's kind of very 90s, isn't it? You've seen it in an awful lot of stuff. Ah, well... Yeah, Next, Lando is talking to Veer in his quarters. Veer surprised Lando is going through with it, uh, but Lando says it'd be disgraceful for him not to. Then Garibaldi gets a call from Franklin. Sheridan's bracelet showed a strange neural surge. He's not answering his link, so Garibaldi orders Sheridan found. Up in CNC, some nameless CNC person that we saw, I think in Gropos, says that a Star Fury is about to be launched and the pilot is Sheridan. Now, wait, we've seen this nameless person twice? Yeah. They yeah. need a name. Need a name. <laughs> Go on. It's up to you to name them. I can't remember who it was. It was a girl that was sitting next to Clarence, or...? Uh, yeah, she seems to be subordinate to Clarence because he seems to know a bit more than her. Clarice? Sure. <laughs> we could go with Clarice, yeah. So, so we've had Clara, Clarence, and now Clarice. Uh-huh. Clarice. <laughs> the next one will be Clarissa. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like in the Spaceballs movie. It's like in the Spaceballs movie. I'm surrounded by a <laughs> <laughs> And of sure. course, if we get another uh, male um, one, he's got to be Colin. Right. Uh, Sheridan says he's going out for a little spin and he overrides the locking control and opens the pod bay door no, opens the bay doors and Ivanova calls Garibaldi I could tell that we were going to get the um, DVD menu picture in this episode based was, on the lighting on his helmet uh, uh, <laughs> you know the picture I don't know it's like with he, when he's screaming oh and, that one okay Lando and Urza are getting ready to fight. So Lando's never beaten Urza before with those kind of weapons, but Lando says his life was never in danger before. One thing in this, in the background, you've got the judge for this fight, and you've got the weirdest Centauri hair I've seen. Yeah, it just yeah. goes straight up. Some people just have strangely shaped heads. <laughs> I know, but you watch this a few times, you've got to find interesting things about this episode somewhere. <laughs> Back in space, Garibaldi's going to get Sheridan. Sheridan says he's giving someone a lift, he thinks. And he thinks the answer is in Sector 14. 
It would have been cool if Zathar showed up in this episode. Yeah. Absolutely. That would have made it worthwhile. <laughs> it really would have made the episode <laughs> ten times better. The referee starts the fight between Londo and Ursa, so they start to fight, and Londo gets hurt, and you see Beer can't stand to watch. And it's old men fighting, so don't expect great choreography. I think that was actually quite a good move, you know. They're not trying to do super complex uh, fighting um, choreography here. It, you know, it's just two men beating each other with metal sticks. <laughs> Thrilling. No stunt fighters. Or... <laughs> yeah, and and for that though, they're they're pretty spry for a couple old guys. <laughs> I think of Christopher Lee in the Star Wars movies. I know they use stunt doubles and CG to uh, pull off his fights, but <laughs> and Sheridan arrives in Sector 4T. The sensors aren't working because of all the tachyons. A hole or something appears, and Sheridan pukes out something. <laughs> it goes through the hole. Uh, Sheridan screaming this. I had to rewind it just so I could hear it again. It made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's worse than puking inside your helmet. Yeah. <laughs> Sheridan's unconscious and almost goes through that opening, but Garibaldi saves him and they head back to B5. I thought that Sheridan's soul was getting sucked out. Uh, oh my god, he becomes uh, Sheridan jealous. Sheridan jealous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ursa and Londo are still dueling and it looks like Londo's about to die, but he kills Ursa with a fair stroke. And a dying Urza says that this way he dies with honor and his family is protected. And Lando says he will guard them as if they are his own. I wrote down Lando because I kept thinking about Star Wars when I was (laughs) recapping this episode. (laughs) That seems like a really crazy loophole. Yeah. 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 If you kill somebody in this duel, their family becomes Their entire family is fine. And it's not just... um... Your immediate family for Centauri, your family means your extended family, your entire mm-hmm. house. So that's like every time you extended- duel somebody, yeah, you have to agree to take care of their entire family <laughs> and kill them yeah, or you yeah, die. That's, that's their <laughs> entire the extended family and their servants. So, well, on, the one, on the one hand, that ensures that, you know, if you really feel you need to kill this person... You know, like, here's here's the payment that you gotta go through if you're really gonna do that. It's shameful to not accept the challenge, but... What <laughs> did you, like, go broke trying to take on this other family? Yeah. <laughs> and this really wouldn't work in a, like, uh... The, oh, the, like, the Hadfields versus the McCoys kind of a thing. Because then you have to... It's just, uh... Yeah, the families are dueling, and so that wouldn't work. I guess you wouldn't you wouldn't challenge someone in that case. Yeah, that's weird. Like, what if you? Like in this case, they were old friends. But if you if your families really hate each other, I guess you have to reconcile somehow. Yeah. And I think that's it's an interesting thing because what a system like that does is it prevents a feud from becoming something like the Hatfields and the McCoys, because. There, there, it, it cuts the endless cycle of vengeance. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? 
So, like, if you kill this person, then you have to take their family on. You know, that's almost like, you know, it's almost like you've got to marry someone from their family to a degree. It's you a know, way it's, out. It really you, is. But not everyone's <laughs> going to accept the duel. Right, exactly. But in these in these uh, honorable duel, dueling societies, this is part of their part of their law. So it's uh, it's it's an interesting way again to keep family grievances from going from generation to generation. Yeah, that's true. Um. Okay. Then Sheridan is explaining that it was a life form in his head trying to get home. It must have gotten into him through the Markab. I'm sorry, can I just go back for one second again to just that the end of that duel? I mean, I think just Peter Jurassic's acting in that is really kind of heartbreaking. And, you know, you see, you really see the emotion on his face and you can hear it in his voice when, you know, he asks her why he made him do this, you know, and then when you see Urza die and you can just see the shock on his face still as, as the screen closes, it's it's a pretty heartbreaking moment for Wando, and I think the along with the other things that happened in this episode, it really engages him to be a lot more involved and from this point on and what what's going what's happening back on Homeworld. Yeah, that's a hope, isn't it? And the other thing you got to wonder: Did Zardo kind of intend this as a last resort as soon as he came aboard B five? I'm sure he Probably. did. I'm sure that was. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. that was part of his plan that if he couldn't if he couldn't get Londo's aid then this is what he was going to do because he went immediately to that choice the moment he realized that Londo was in league with Rifa and that there would be no help actually for him yeah he might have heard rumors of uh, Londo being in league before he came to Rifa but he didn't want to believe him right or he wanted to hope that their friendship would overcome whatever deals he had going on with Rifa and when he saw that wasn't the case, you know, he he engaged Plan B. Yeah, it, it's just he doesn't know about Morden and those deals he's made on that front. So I think if it wasn't for Morden and the power London's gained through Morden, he might have been more willing to help him. Yeah, very true. So Sheridan uh, deduced what was going on by the images that the life form created in his mind it was using his emotions for communication and <laughs> dr franklin pretty, pretty much messes his pants at the prospect of a new alien life form <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's got so uh, oh my god oh um, my god oh my god <laughs> yeah all of a sudden he switches from scully to molder yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's Although, a xeno geek <laughs> he really is. Uh, what did you make of the fashions in this scene? Because, personally, I don't think they were quite as bad as they have been. I didn't really notice. Well, they, they were wearing... casual those, wear. Yeah, they were wearing... Uh, a couple of them were wearing um, wooden jumpers that were actually more in fashion around 2000 or so. You know, the, those type of wooden jumpers that kind of... Uh, more or less like they were wearing, actually, because I remember having a couple. No, I don't remember. And uh, by jumper, do you mean jacket? Uh, I mean... Um, sweater? A, a wool, well, probably sweater in your thing. You know, a, a wool, um thing, you know. Like a pullover. 
Yeah, yeah. Knit, a knit pullover. Yeah, yeah. A, a knitted pullover then, yeah. All right, we cool. call them jumpers here, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <Thank laughs> <Sorry. you, Faria. laughs> yeah, Veer tells Londo that Ursa's arrangements have been made and tries to tell Londo he didn't have a choice, but Londo isn't sure. Uh, he says to Veer that Ursa was more skilled and by the rules that Ursa's family must be taken in by him and now they're immune to that, er- to that resolution and that was the reason for the challenge in the first place. So Lando says for the first time he questions, he questions the choices he's made and Veer says he maybe should make new choices but Lando says he's going down this path, he started down this path so he must keep going till it ends. So he sends Veer away saying he wants to sleep if he's able to. That's the end of the episode. And you see Veer very, very, like, lovingly, like, put a little pillow under Lando's head as Lando leans back. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I kind of wonder whether he's thinking, right, I'm so far down this path and I've got allies now I've got to keep an eye on. If I quit this path now, it's only going to get worse for everyone. Maybe I can actually temper some people's actions. You, you would think, yeah. You, would uh, hope that. you know, that, that's a hope here anyway. I'm hoping that's what he's thinking. Yeah, I think I think that he's too... I don't think he's far enough down that road quite yet. I think he's still caught up in what he sees as the destiny for both himself and his people. I think, I, But I think this is the first time that he starts to get a shock and start, I think, you know, to a degree, I think his birds are coming home to roost for the first time in this episode. Like, he's seeing, he's seeing some of the, uh, he's seeing some of the, the effects of his decisions, the long-term effects of some of his decisions, and he's not, he's not happy with it. Well, Hardy and Elizabeth, I know it's a bad episode, but you've got to have some thoughts on what's happened to Londo here, without speculating, because that's for later. I like that he's seen some um, some of the consequences of the actions that he has taken and that he's seen that, oh, okay, maybe the decisions that I've made aren't best for all of the Centauri people. Right. right. There's I mean, a difference that's... between what's good for him and what's good for everybody, perhaps, mm-hmm. and he never thought about that before. So Clarice is played by Elizabeth, two words, Elizabeth Garver. Hmm. Only did two other shows besides Babylon 5. What I think we see in Urza in this episode is, I think it's really easy up to this point to see the Centauri as really as sort of like villains to a degree. And I think what we see in Urza is the nobility whenever you we the Centauri talk a lot about the nobility of their of their civilizations and their culture and their people. But we don't see a lot of that nobility going on. And I think what we see in Urza is this classic nobility that the Centauri used to have and used to value more than necessarily power. I think in Urza we see everything that's good about Centauri culture. Just like in Veer we see a lot of that as well. That you know, Veer, Veer as a foil for Londo lets us see that not not all Centauri are these like 
you know, total like scheming warmongering racists. You know, we see we see in Veer and we also see in or in Urza the nobility that that was uh, inherent in the Centauri at one point and. You know, the, you, this episode may be not the best in the world, but I think it shows us that, uh, you know, there's that part of the Centauri is really falling away, and we, and Earth is a symbol of that, and uh, and it's pretty tragic. That the Centauri aren't all just caricatures. Yeah. All right. Are we ready to do quotes of the week? Yes, I actually have some this time. Yeah, I think I have. Good for you. I don't have any this week. I have a couple. All right. I'll go first. Okay. Because I don't want this one taken. I like it. Um, Mrs. Sheridan. Commander, everything in order? Ivanova. Remarkably so. And it's beginning to worry me. Sheridan. You don't... You Do you always worry when things are going well? Ivanova. I don't have time to worry about them when they're not. <laughs> My only, I had that one, but my only other one was Veer. Londo, this is insane. Londo, insanity is part of the times. You must learn to embrace the madness. Let it fire you. <laughs> yeah, that was that was one of my quotes too. That that's a good that's a good one. And uh, I have another one, just a, a simple one from uh, from Urza when he says, "You cannot build an empire based on slaughter and deceit." And Terhan knew that. Yeah, I like that line. That was, you know, maybe the only part of that scene I liked. Um, I have one. is between Londo and Veer. So Londo says, you know, Veer, you have what the Earthers call a negative personality. <laughs> he says, no, I don't. There, you see? <laughs> yeah, we talk about that one. <laughs> Any other ones? Um, this one's terrible, but Garibaldi. That's cute. A zombie with a gas attack. <laughs> All right, let's do characters of the week. Who's our human of the week? Mm. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go for Garibaldi. He tells Sheridan not to go down there. Sheridan ignores him. That he has to go save Sheridan when he's about to fall into the rift or whatever. Yeah, Poor, poor Garibaldi. Just, he's had not. to become the voice of reason. Yes, seriously. <laughs> you know things are bad, but yeah. Garibaldi is the voice of reason. Oh, definitely. Uh, I can go with Garibaldi. I, I really don't have any argument any other way. Yeah. So, yeah. So who's our alien of the week? I want to go for the alien that Sheridan spat out. <laughs> <laughs> that one or the one he tried to shoot. Yeah. Um, I think Earth is the alien of the week. He was a complex one-off character. Yeah, and I I love that actor's portrayal for some reason. There's something about that guy that I just like him. But that's just me. It's just this episode, it's really... If he was in any other episode, I think he would have really shone. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm going to have to go for him because the alien that, uh, <laughs> that came out of Sheridan um, was... Uh, part of the annoying part of this yeah. episode. So, <laughs> go with Urza. Garibaldi and Urza Shadow. Okay, are we ready to write this episode? You want to start us out, Elias? Um, yeah, I'll give this episode... Uh, I would say a, a solid six. 
A solid six. Yeah, I like. I really like the half with with Urza with the Urza Jato storyline. If if they just expanded that and made that just the episode, it could have gone up to like a seven or an eight for me. But the uh, the really lame secondary episode really brought it down for me. So solid six. Okay, how about you, Heidi? Um, I also like the Londo half of the story pretty good. Um, but the Sheridan being possessed was not fun. Um, and I was so angry when we mentioned Babylon 4 and they get (laughs) nothing for it. And that they used CGI for a hallucinated baby dragon. (laughs) So I'm going to give it five out of ten fights to the death. All right. What do you think, Elizabeth? Not my favorite. Uh, <laughs> ah, hold on one second. Oh, I forgot to give it something. Uh, I'm going to call it six bottles of fine Bravari. Nice. I'd rather have the Bravari than this episode. <laughs> <laughs> you guys ever make Bravari? Yeah. Is there something online that shows you how to make it, then? Oh, yeah, there's definitely a Bravari. They actually put out an official Dining on Babylon 5 cookbook at one point. I know they did. And uh, the the recipe for Bravari is in there. Mm. Of course, not official Centauri Bravari. It's human equivalent Bravari. Right. Right. Oh, it's not officially Centauri? Come on. Darn. Yeah, we don't have a dimensional gateway. We can't get it. Two ounces of brandy, two ounces of rum, two ounces triple sec. Hmm. Yeah, it's meant um, to be strong. <laughs> it's tastier than it sounds after you mix it all together. Okay, I I don't know how much to say about this episode. It was a letdown, and I'm going to give it 5 out of 10 um, naps. <laughs> <laughs> Did you catch up on your sleep, Elizabeth? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you say, Ian? It really is a meh-type episode, which is only lifted up by... The Centauri plotline, but only a little bit, I'm afraid, because it's that plotline shows promise, but like you said, it's not developed enough. It's not given the room to breathe that like it really needed. And the possessed uh, Sheridan just felt tired and done so many times before. I'm going to have to go five and a half zombie mark abs out of ten. <laughs> cool. Uh, me, I pretty much hated this freaking episode. <laughs> but this entire storyline, I was just bored by. But listening to you guys talk about it and the discussion on Twitter yesterday, I'll bring it up a little bit more. But the Sheridan possession storyline was just ridiculous, and I hated pretty much all of it, except for a few jokes here and there. So I gave the episode four and a half out of ten alien regurgitations. So that makes our total score of 5.2. Wow. <laughs> lowest of the season, I'm sure. Yeah, lowest of the season, but still better than believers. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, sure it is. I'm, I'm thinking fondly on relievers right now. <laughs> Elizabeth is like, can I go back and watch that, please? <laughs> At least it was. I want to drop an egg. At yeah. least you were able to uh, stay awake through believers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, so let's go out to Sector 14 and see if we can find feedback, Lynn. Our first piece of feedback is an email from Lori. Does someone want to take that one? Sure. Hello, all. Overall, a meh episode. So here is our somewhat random commentary. Per my husband, both Sheridan and Garibaldi have nice swings. Garibaldi Hmm. gets extra points for being a lefty. Per Carl, referring to the triangle, really dates the episode. Carl wonders if the actors are actually singing the opera excerpts. I am pretty sure that they are. Per Carl, they harmonize very well. (laughs) Regarding the baseball and opera singing scenes, Carl commented that it seems they're trying to humanize the characters more by showing their other interests. Another old friend coming to the station? (laughs) I thought of that. (laughs) (laughs) At least he was Londo's friend, which makes it more interesting. Once again, Veer Veer is trying to be the voice of reason, and Londo is still not listening. The gray sector? Really? Another section we have never heard of yet. (laughs) Well, space is vast, you know? This plot line was so predictable. Carl called that Sheridan was inhabited by some alien thing that would lead him somewhere from the time it started. The the political implications and intrigue regarding the Londo storyline were very interesting, but those swords were just terrible and the fight scene not so good. Carl is predicting that Londo will at some point try to go up against Lord Rifa and his group, maybe even call in a favor from Morden against them. Hmm. I'm not sure Morden would grant that favor, though. Um, quote, Veer, Londo, this is insane. Londo, insanity is part of the times. You must learn to embrace the madness. Let it fire you. Ratings, Carl, zero. <laughs> Alien, Londo, human, why won't they cast more good human extras? None this week. (laughs) Oh, come on, what about Clarice, Carl? (laughs) Um, Lori, five really out-of-date wristband props. (laughs) Yeah. Alien, Londo, human, Garibaldi. Thanks, guys, Lori and Carl. Thanks, guys. Thank you. So is that like a on par, Carl? Like zero, is that your... Is that a par yeah, episode? Yeah, zero is on par. So probably around a five, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so the alien came out of Sheridan's mouth, didn't it? Or was it his whole body? It looked like his mouth and eyes, sort of out of his general face area. Okay. Is there a reason that it came out of his... Did it have to come out of... Okay, anyway. <laughs> did it come out of his butt, but... That's even worse than puking in the hell. <laughs> <laughs> So we have another piece of feedback on Facebook from Yan. I'll read that one. I like knives. The first time in a long time where we see Londo have doubts about his path. I love the Londo Veer stuff. They have such good chemistry. Lord Rifa is at his scheming again. And we are reminded of Sector 14. Do you think, ambassadors, that we will see Babylon 4 again? Quotes. Garibaldi, that's a cute... Uh, that's cute, a zombie with a gas attack. Veer, why make history when you fail to learn by it? That's a good one. <laughs> a human, David Clarence Corwin. Alien, Veer. Rating, eight aliens from Sector 14. Hi, hey, good choice and human that. Yeah. Yeah, and did you watch the same episode as me? <laughs> <laughs> um... That's all the feedback we have this week, folks. If you want to send feedback, have your voice heard on the show, 
send it to mail at downbelowpodcast.com. You can also leave us comments on Facebook and on our website. And you can also leave us an iTunes review. Yes, please. So, uh, what do you, what do you think, uh, do you think we'll see Babylon 4 again as, uh, that, as Jan asked you? Well, that's a great question, um, to lead us into, um, what's it land? Uh, prediction land. land. <laughs> yeah, prediction oh, land. How about so, sector, sector predictions yeah. or something? Yeah, <laughs> well, it, yeah, move to sector 40. Well, in sector 40. <laughs> this is a prediction land because it's off limits. That's right. The name of the next episode is Confessions and Lamentations. Ooh, I like confessions. This could be good. <laughs> <laughs> um, Londo confesses his crimes. No, I hope that's not it. <laughs> I really am disappointed that Londo is feeling this. I, I just really wanted him to become more villainous. Oh, I hope I he, uh, yeah, becomes more villainous and not starts to like be like, oh, I'm gonna help. I don't know. I, I just really wanted to see like a really good, you know, decent seeming guy become more and you know go more and more down the, the dark. He should have become Darth Vader. <laughs> Darth Vader uh, without the no moment so, of course um, you notice that they have done some subtle things with Londo's wardrobe this season have, uh, have, have you, uh, has anyone noticed that that uh, oh. previous, previously Londo would always wear um, his purple jacket mm-hmm. and then he'd have some sort of bright colored cravat underneath that like bright blue or bright red or bright yellow. And this season, his jacket is black. It's not purple anymore. Mm-hmm. And remember, he used to say that he looks fabulous in purple and, you know, his secret files are the purple files and all that kind of stuff and that we learned from season one. And But he doesn't, he doesn't get to wear his purple jacket anymore. Now his jacket is black. And uh, he doesn't wear bright colors underneath. He wears mostly, like, metallics and... Uh, and other and muted sort of grays and silvers underneath his, his jacket. Down, yeah, his cap stands out more on this uh, jacket as well. That blood red jewel. Yeah, yep. So they have done some subtle things already with his wardrobe to push him in that direction that you were that you were hoping to see him move in. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'm slightly optimistic by his comment about his destiny. Which means that he's not completely changing his mind at this point. You know, he still thinks he has a destiny. Maybe he'll think he, his destiny is to stop this eventually, which will I won't like. But um, yeah, so I don't know. I don't like the, where the signs are pointing here. I'm just gonna say that. You prefer evil Londo. I prefer, or at least evil Londo for longer. You know, mm-hmm. um, for for a longer period of time. I mean, it does sound like he's committed to the path. He says, you know, Beer's like, look, this is an opportunity for you to make some new choices. And, and Londo totally sees it differently. He says, no. He's like, this is a sign that I'm I'm on the path that, you know, now that I'm on this path, I've lost so much and bad has happened. I better just stay on it because that's, you know, that's what my destiny appears to be. Yeah. So he has, he, has an, he has an opportunity at this point to make some new choices, and he doesn't. He 
tells you in no uncertain terms that he's going to stay on this path because that's the way it's got to be. Well, what does Confessions and Lamentation mean on other fronts, then? Because that's Lando, but he's only one plot point here. I actually hope that we see um, Dylan and Jakar. And I always hope that we see Kosh. But, um, but there could be some interesting confessions and lamentations from them as well. I don't want any confessions from Talia. <laughs> <laughs> or Franklin. You don't want to hear no, no more stories. No more from Franklin. You don't want to hear Talia talking about telepath speaking love anymore? Come on. No. <laughs> I want a telepath romance novel. <laughs> oh. Oh, that would be the worst. <laughs> it would just be thoughts. Yeah, and I could... And I could hear his thoughts, and they were magical. <laughs> yeah. Um, I could hear overall, him hearing my thoughts. Fifty Shades of Harriman Gray. Uh, oh, no. You went there. <laughs> oh, I just made the connection. Yeah, that'd be bad. Okay, overall predictions. I think we definitely have to see Sector 14 again. Um, and they did not just bring... Babylon 4 up for no reason so um, I'm sure it was to remind us of the things that happened which how could we forget really um, so yeah hoping to see something with that by the end of the season and um, yeah I don't know I don't really have much more there wasn't really a whole lot this episode to bring up speculation which makes sense because it was supposed to air before the last one. Right. Made, so. Yeah. Just say what happened in last episode. <laughs> that was, that was yeah, <laughs> I think that what happened in the last week's episode is what is coming. Oh, wait. Is that a cat? Yeah. Hold on. Yeah, Confessions and Lamentations is actually one of my favorite episodes of season two. Oh, good. It sounds like a talky episode. Sometimes you need opinion spoilers after an episode like this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, um, yeah, it's definitely one of my favorites. Yeah, so, I'll, um, are we done with, um... Okay, I'm back. Yeah. Uh, it, is that it for predictions and speculation? Yeah. Yeah, they're really, I mean, other than the Londo stuff, there's not a lot to add. And Babylon 4, I mean, there's really not a lot that this episode brings up, right? I don't know. Yeah. No, I, that's pretty much all I could think of. All right. Yeah. Yep. So, Elias, thank you for coming back and joining us again. Yeah, thanks, Elias. Thanks for volunteering uh, yeah. for this episode. Thanks for yeah. stopping by. <laughs> yeah. No, no problem. For me, Babylon 5 is like pizza. Even when it's bad, it's good. I still want it. <laughs> I, still, I, still, I still love it. <laughs> Um, is there anywhere we can find you on the internet? Um, yeah, you could, um, if you are on Facebook, you can find, um, my, um, performance group. We are known as the Dragonfly Circus, and we, um, perform at, like, music festivals and art festivals doing, um, like, uh, fire spinning and circus arts and that sort of fun stuff. Oh, really? And yeah, that's that's what I do, and um, and uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's the main thing that you could find online. Um, we also um, 
we have an art, an artistic collective, which is the name Fire Dancing Collective, and then our professional performance troupe is called the Dragonfly Circus. And we've got Facebook pages for both of those uh, right now, and we're working on getting a website and a Twitter account and all that good stuff for our, our company. So, Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all we have for this week, folks. Short episode. Which is, <laughs> yeah, well, not well, a lot of feedback. Yeah. So. Don't take much time to edit short episodes. So. <laughs> um, it's one of those episodes which is very hard to find stuff to say about because it's not really bad, but it's not good either. It's just meh. Yeah. yeah. We'll be back in one week's time with confessions and lamentations. And until then, goodbye. Bye. Be seeing you. Yeah, Bye. See you. See you later, everybody. Look for us on the web in iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. Also, downbelowpodcast.com, facebook.com slash group slash downbelowpodcast, and twitter.com slash downbelowcast. 